Hello and welcome back to Failing to Succeed, the podcast that embraces failure. I'm back with episode two and this week I caught up with the Blackboard artist. If you've ever been to a bar, restaurant or cafe in London, you've most likely seen his work because he is everywhere. But his first business was actually a clothing company that he started at the age of 19. Join me as I chat fashion, finance and failures with Michael, the Blackboard artist. Thing that's interesting is the business actually started from failure it started from not getting into universities i wanted to get into not doing that great art college compared to what i could have done and there were certain issues at the time that was the reason why that happened and you know a friend from work we worked in sort of a saturday job and a grocery shop he was you know he was a really good graphic designer and i was always into drawing and hand lettering and stuff like that we just sort of thought, you know, because he was he was the same as me. He, he didn't get to the university he wants to do. So he's like, oh, maybe I should stay put, whatever. So we were like, oh, should we do clothing or T-shirts together? We kind of just started, you know, talking about it. Get, come that. out of the ideas. Yeah, that, so I was 19 and he was 20 when we opened it up. We just both saved a thousand pounds, put it into a business account, opened up the clothing brand. And what we did is we, yeah, we just started with selling T-shirts at friends gigs, literally. So we set up stalls. <laughs> In, yeah so we'd set up stalls in the back of you know concerts and stuff like that uh, very small gigs but we you know we did all right from it and it, we learned a lot along the way first of all we sort of bought a batch of t-shirts with one design and we just sold that design consistently through gigs and the first gig we did we like sold out 50 t-shirts or something which was like oh my god how did we do this sort of thing yeah, I love that. And, <laughs> and we were really surprised and and then what you know what was interesting is when you have that you almost take it for granted you think, oh every gig's going to be like this and there were some gigs right. that weren't like some some gigs we didn't sell a t-shirt at all and they were like oh, what we've done wrong what we've done this uh, mm-hmm. maybe we've put the put the table in the wrong spot maybe we haven't been approachable enough you know all these things go through your head and we started that way and as soon as we started getting a few more people wearing it we then invested we made our own website I mean the thing is we really pushed it online Uh, we really spent time on the website and everything else and pushing the sales online but how did you know that that was the way forward for you guys Michael how did you know that the website was the place where you were going to get more sales than the gigs or maybe you didn't maybe you just took a punt that literally that that's how we did it we we just we set up the website at the time facebook was very good for advertising we seemed to get a lot of people looking at our work and we we did a lot of i would say sort of marketing tips we would sort of go with what's currently happening and sort of do a piece of artwork based on that which got us more exposure and we just generated a lot more sales through the website. It just seemed to happen. And then we approached shops, but we did like a trade show. We used to set up stalls at Brick Lane. And we still noticed out of doing that, that the website was the best way to get sales. Um, so we kind of just fell into it a little bit, really. And that was sort of how we did it. Just I went love along that. With I love I love that you just had the gumption to be like, let's just set up a stall at our mate's gig. That's so <laughs> great. I love that so much. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's what a true entrepreneur does. Just get out there. Get out to the people. Yeah see if they're going to buy something you just don't know to try it really because and that's the thing there were so many failures in that and that's why you know i'll go into later how it failed but we tried stalls we tried you know like obviously selling t-shirts gigs and stuff and then 
we try to we try getting into shops and something we learned about with shops was that it was so difficult to make money from your t-shirts when they're in a shop because they take such a large margin. Uh, proportion yeah the margins were so hard and as well because we were two young guys going into it we were almost naive really to the big bad world we were naive yeah. to how people will make that you know quite a lot of more money off you and stuff like that and we yeah just learn a lot along the way really but there's and good was... and bad in that isn't there because I guess if you don't know then I think you're more open to trying stuff rather than mm. going down the route of well someone else has done that they said it didn't work so it's not going to work for me I think if you're naive you can embrace not knowing by doing a lot of things that yeah. people who've maybe been there before you wouldn't do and it might have worked for you yeah yeah no it's true it's true I think I would say something we did wrong was we would ask a lot of people for their opinions a lot of the time and ask for friends and stuff and then everyone's got an opinion to say everyone thinks they can do it better in the way you do it yeah and and then it can confuse you even more I think you know something I've really learned is that you you've just got to stick to your guns and kind of this is what I want to do and this is what I want to try a real adrenaline rush when I do a new t-shirt design and put it up even if it didn't sell very well it was more sometimes it was just for for us or for me or you you know it's like I like this bit of artwork I want to put in a t-shirt and it's that whole experience of making the t-shirt better and the quality better and you know I I had a lot of fun with it it was a fun business to run Um, you need some excitement as well if you're going to be working on something every day all day then mm -hmm. it needs to be exciting it needs to be a passion of yours as well so that you are enjoying it because it's a hard slog otherwise exactly no it's very true and I I, you say were the main sticking points like what were the things that were starting to come up where you guys were like "Mm, okay maybe this isn't going the way that we planned it I would say the main thing that was really difficult and something I've learned in business is that we were paying for so much up front. So that's something I realized about clothing is to really make the money off your clothing, you really need to buy a large quantity. And to buy a large quantity, you need a lot of money to do that. And that was what was really hard was that we would sell, we would sell t-shirts. And the thing that was the hardest thing about it was that we would, you know, if there was one design that was doing really well, we'd order, you know, another 50 t-shirts or something. And then we might be left with that 50 t-shirts. We're like, oh, that batch has sold really well. Oh, let's, let's up the game. We'll buy a bigger batch and we buy that batch. And all of a sudden you might only get a few sales and then you're left with right. a box full of clothing. So it was, that was the main thing. It was financially very difficult, especially doing it like a lot younger when you, you know, you have less income and stuff like that. You're working in lower paid jobs and stuff. So that was, that was the hardest thing I would say was, was, you know, the whole paying for everything up front and trying to make that work. And yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't even told you what the name of the company is called. It was called Prang Out. <laughs> that was the name of it. It was called Prang Out. Prang, um, Prang, Prang Out. That's what it was called. So we and we we bought. You know, there was quite a lot of people. It was it was weird. We didn't get. It was funny enough. We didn't get a lot of people in London buying our clothing, but we got a lot of people outside London and outside and around the UK. So and it was all it was all online. But I think what I learned which a big thing that I thought about was I started in 2010 and it ended 2015 and around about sort of 2013 time, sort of 2014, I sort of thought, right, I should, I should really get some experience in the, you know, the fashion industry, learn more about it, try and get my foot in the door. 
And I ended up doing a work for a company in London and they, their main client was Billionaire's Boys Club. Okay. Um, so they, they, that was a lot of their distribution, a lot of their designs. And I, I sort of really got an insight into how it all operated. But what I realized, which was the real lesson I learned, was as soon as I was in that workplace, I realized, hmm, I, I don't think fashion is my passion. I think because, you know, I'd overhear conversations, people say, oh, did you see that lookbook from that company last week? And I was, I, I was sort of, I'm not really up to date with this. I'm not that, this much, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I, I thought, actually, I'm, 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 into, I'm into designing, but I'm not really into, you know, I don't, I, I don't know enough. And I don't think I was willing to know enough. I was, I was very, very keen and eager at the start. And I, but as it went on, and especially when I worked in fashion, that was when I realized I don't think this industry is for me. I don't think it's something I want to push forward. Because I guess was... people in that industry, they they eat, sleep and breathe fashion, don't they? They're like, they're yeah. proper consumed by it completely. Mm. And that's why they do well in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. That's really, that's really great that you kind of learned that when you did, I guess, because otherwise you could have just been flogging a dead horse, right? You could have just <laughs> been like, goodness, why is this not working for me? I'm putting all this time and effort into it, I don't know, and then become quite bitter, I guess. So definitely, that's yeah. good you learned that for sure. Yeah, I think as well, like sometimes you have to be in a situation where you actually really... <sighs> It has to hit home. It has to like it has to hit you sometimes where you think, yeah. I don't know, I don't, you know, you have to have that gut instinct sometimes. And there was something telling me that it wasn't something that I really wanted to work towards. And that that was what hit me. And you know, what I really enjoyed from it, I loved doing the design part, I loved getting it on that t-shirt, but I didn't really necessarily enjoy running to the post office all the time, dealing with returns, you know, trying to do all the markets, try, you know, it was a lot, it's a lot, and it's such a saturated market. Fashion is so specific. People are so specific about what they want to wear. So you have to really, really find your market. You have to be, and and it's it's very hard to find it. And some brands, some fashion brands, they completely nail it. They've got their look. They've got their target audience. They've really got it down to a T. And I think we just didn't quite get it right. And as well, big thing was the finance part of it. It was hard to financially keep it going without us keep going into our own pocket. And that's uh, interesting. The the bit that you just said about. you know, you weren't exactly excited about, about running down to the post office and doing the marketing and stuff. There's so much more to a business, even a small business, with two mm. people running some t-shirts that people don't realise that actually Definitely. you have to put in the time and you have to put in the effort, even yeah. just to, to make a small dent in it. So, mm. yeah, I guess if Definitely. it's not your passion good lesson learned to then maybe pivot into something else that is your exactly. passion. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't easy like closing it down. It was a, it was a real, it hits you hard, you know, because you, you think, oh, I put my blood, sweat and tears into this, worked so hard. Like, I don't enjoy failure. Like, I don't like when it happens, mm. but I do learn from it. It's a weird thing. Like, if I fail, I always think about, I'm going to, I always think when I fail, I'm like, I'm going to learn something from this. There's something I'm going to learn from it. That's how I take it away and try and turn it into a positive. I always think, I'm going to learn something from this that will will connect to something else later down the line that will be the lesson learned from it. Amazing. When was the point where you and Ed sat down and you were like, okay, prang out is no more? 
we just naturally didn't put as much effort in. I think that's what happened. It naturally got to a point where there wasn't that drive. And I think as well, a big thing that I felt we were, I felt like we didn't quite get our lucky break. And I think you need that. I think you, no matter what you need, you do need some sort of lucky break in business. You need something that's going to change it and you're going to have to adjust to it and you're going to have to move with it quickly. And I felt like we never quite got our lucky break. And we got to a point where we thought it naturally got to that conversation. Yeah. Where it was like, well, what do we do now? You know, you're, you, you want to move to Australia. I've got the blackboards in the background. Yeah. You know, is, it, is this something we should both, you know, maybe think about just walking away from rather than, you know, trying, trying to make it work and, and it takes up a lot of your time. You know, that's, yeah, the, that's the hardest of thing. Of yeah. course, but that is smart. I think knowing when to stop is hard but it's mm. actually really smart. It's one of the smartest things that you can do, right? Because mm. your time is resource. That's yeah. a resource that you have to use. So if you're plugging um, your time into someone that looks like it's not going to go much further, then that's mm. a resource that you don't have to then put into something new that you were creating on the site or a full-time work placement that's bringing, that is actually bringing in the, the cold, hard cash. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to be realistic with certain things as well. You have to be realistic. How much time can I dedicate to this if I've got a job and other things? And you, you have to kind of weigh it up, I think. Yeah. So Prying Out's kind of had its day. You are, you're still working in fashion at this point? No, I was made redundant from the fashion company. And then I was in a position where the only income I had was, was the, um, the blackboards. Okay. And I sort of, I decided to sort of work in that and I was still doing Prang Out on the side. So I was working back, but I was still doing Prang Out and I was juggling two businesses at the wow. same time and doing another small business with a friend where we set up our own little DJ nights and we did that. As well. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, you we tried to. mission of an entrepreneur, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Always tried things out. Um, but, you, you know, it's part of the fun of it. And I think, I think that's, what I enjoy I love the the challenges I love the you know just just I, I've always wanted I always knew that I wanted to work for myself I never really knew what it would be mm. uh, I knew it to be something creative and then I always try to just try I always try to make things that I enjoyed into something that could be work I think yeah that was what what happened was um you know Prang Out was on the side of the of the blackboards and then I started noticing that that was becoming more of a business and becoming to take up more of my time and again with the blackboards I had that lucky break so I, I would say I had a lucky break okay so chat to us about the blackboard artist so what is that exactly interesting enough it's very overlooked so whenever you go into a pub bar restaurant coffee shop when you see a blackboard on the wall that's like a menu or whatever and it's hand painted it's hand done that is done by a sign writer or a chalkboard right. artist or a blackboard artist, whatever they want to call, whatever they like to call themselves, or an artist as such. And it's it's actually a trade that's been going on for a long time, but it's quite overlooked because it's it's not something that people really think about. I got the idea, well, I first got the idea in 2013. I was in a in a pub with my mum and I saw a big chalkboard of fish and chips on it and stuff. And I thought that's really nicely done. I wonder who and it just it just hit me. I was I wonder who does that asked the guy behind the bar and he said to me it was um it's a sign writer that comes and do, does it and I thought what a sign writer what is a sign writer and I did all my research into it and stuff you know for example after the second world war 
when people had to, you know, not advertise, but people had to sort of show certain cards or whatever to advertise things. And it was sort of around the 50s and 60s when Coca-Cola became a really big thing. They were one of the first big companies to use like sign writers and okay. use, and do hand, big hand-painted murals and hand-painted signs. So it was actually a very booming industry after the Second World War. Sign writing mm-hmm. as a whole was a very booming industry. Over time, it sort of signs as hand-painted signs has been sort of eventually in different ways. And then when the computers came in the 80s, that's when sign writing went down and then of course yeah so that's so all of some people doing printed cheap signs and stuff and then mm. and then sign writers have been I would say it's like an overlooked trade but this it's it's high in demand so now I've got like a small team of people that help me we manufacture and build uh, blackboard signs framed nice framed boards and stuff like that and then we also go to jobs across the country and London and going and to do different blackboard art in different venues murals I mean they're absolutely gorgeous it's it's so stunning the stuff that you do having the massive blackboard with the full menu on the board it's always been something that I guess restaurants have done if they've got Mm. daily menus that they're changing in and out but this idea of a fixed menu that is no longer printed (laughs) as you mentioned the computer and painted onto the blackboard I mean we're seeing it a lot in a lot of trendy hotels and restaurants in London Mm -hmm. now how did you grow the company because you've got some amazing clients on your roster I'm like super super impressed so I don't know if we can mention some of them here but yeah yeah absolutely um, so Soho House, Glastonbury, the Hoxton, the Ned, Simmons I know is a big one for you as well so how did you manage to to grow that in the way that you didn't grow the first business? And what did you take as a learning from Prang Out that then helped you to grow the Blackboard artist? You know, Prang Out was a purely online business. The Blackboards was a bit more of a, you know, I started by going into different venues, passing my card around. It was a real hustle. It was really hard work. It wasn't just hard work. It was harder work than my last business. And it was, I knew that it was something that people would want if they saw it and understood it. And my main goal with the Blackboard Artist is I want it, I eventually want people to know what a Blackboard Artist is. Because the amount of times I'm in conversation, I'm trying to explain my job. They have no idea what to talk about. So it's, it's, I want a Blackboard Artist to be like a recognised job. Yeah. And and how I grew it was by literally handing around cards around different places. Simmons was purely because I went into their first bar they had in Mornington Crescent. Oh, no, sorry. The first bar was in King's Cross, but their second bar was in Mornington Crescent. And I, oh, yeah, um, I used to work in the agency on that street. <laughs> oh, really? Well uh, that bar. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's got a great happy hour. <laughs> it's, um, and it's, uh, it's got a good buzz in there as well. But it's, it's yeah, that, that, was, that started from a business card. I was in there having a drink and I just said to the guy oh do you need some blackboards doing and then he was like oh actually we got some uh, we got another another place in king's cross and did the boards there and they were like oh, okay and then bit by bit they just they it was again just a lucky being in the right place at the right time but also awesome. also asking for it you know and i that's something i've really learned you know just going out there and putting yourself out there and asking is such a such a big thing okay. and so house again was that was my lucky break because it was years ago I was walking past I was walked past Dirty Burger um, and I saw their board and I thought that's a really good board I wonder you know who does Dirty Burger boards or whatever like that 
And I called called them up and they said, oh, we're owned by So House. So I was like, oh, okay. And whoever was behind the phone call, I would have loved to, I, I would love to thank her because she changed my whole life because wow. she, <laughs> she passed on a contact to me who was the you know design director of So House. Wow. I got I didn't really realize that until I emailed her. And I I remember looking at the website thinking, oh, they'll never get back to me. I don't think that. And this is when I was starting out as well. And they they did get back to me and they said, actually, we, we do need some signs done for um, for our chicken shop site in Ballon. So I went there. I did blag it because I didn't know what I was doing in some ways. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, that's par for the course, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it literally is. You just got to yeah. try out and see how you get yeah. on. And I, I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? So I I, I did it. And then eventually they, they were happy with the job. And then they said to us, so we got a project in Oxford, in no, sorry, in the Cotswolds. And it's called, um, it's called Farmhouse. And, and at the time it was just a sketch and a piece of paper. They just had a sketch of the boathouse on a, on a piece of paper. And I went there and that was my lucky break because they had so many signs to do there that mm. I was going there four days a week um, when wow. it, before it was open. Because I was so busy, whenever I got a new inquiry coming through, they were interested more because they rather than saying I'm available tomorrow, I said oh, I'm available in a week or 10 days time. So they see it as a massive, oh, well, he's busy, he's busy, he's in demand. So that went in my favor. And it was, it was just, a. I would say like in terms of like progression, I would say, and how to get those, how I got those times is one, I would say it was, it was definitely asking for it. And also I put a lot of time and effort into my website. That is something I'm, I will constantly update the website. Whenever I feel like there's a, a new client of work for that I want to put on there, I'll put it on there. If there's anything I can think of that can improve the website, I, I, I really, that's something I really take a lot of pride in is always making sure the website looks good, as good as possible, yeah. keep improving it. And so that's important to have that online presence, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, because less and less people are picking up the phone these days and it's uh, DMs into your Instagram now. So Exactly, exactly. And I, I think as well, you, a big thing is you have to, go with the times and you have to as I think as a business owner you have to always look a step ahead and look at what is changing and how can I change with it as soon as you do that you know you're going to always keep up I think that's the main thing you've got to keep up if you don't keep up you get left behind so I I think that's a a big thing I I think would say I say I say learn and I, I would say that's what I learned from my last business I think we thought about things too much. We would overthink things. We would try and fix things that weren't broken. And I think something I've learned now is like, I, simplify it, just simplify it and just keep it. And, and to be honest, the blackboard artist was a complete accident. When I think about it, it was an accident. I just did it as a bit of extra income. Wasn't sure whether I was going to love it or not. Ended up doing it more and more. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, I need to think of a name. Oh, what's, what's the name? And I remember I called myself uh, the blackboard man when I started <laughs> and, then, and then I then I sort of thought actually that kind of narrows it down a little bit I mm. should you know I, I should make it a bit broader and what if uh, what if a, a woman's working with me on a job or whatever like that mm-hmm. so I you know that's why I was like no I should call it the blackboard artist and I wanted to have a more of a story and that's where it sort of started from something I've learned is don't run before you can walk I think a big part of keeping a business running is is being steady with it and being disciplined of it not trying to not don't try and do too many things and it's because otherwise it will come back and bite you at some point I love that that's excellent and also the whole thing with the name I guess from changing from man to artist in one word you've opened up from being 
a sole trader almost yeah. to an entire yeah. company now where you're employing yeah. people as the artists that go out and, and work on all these great projects. Yeah. I thought, what is people going to type in Google? What are they going to search for? It's just trying to, I think that's a big thing with business is trying to simplify things. I think, I think sometimes some people really overthink their brand or yeah. overthink the concept and they, they go into, they almost go into too much detail that it becomes a bit confusing from the outside, from the customer's point of view. They're like, what, what is this? Sometimes yeah. simplicity is better, you know, it works okay. better and it's more effective. Well, wherever that wonderful woman is, thank you. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> I know. To uh, Civil Farmhouse. That's amazing. That's thank so, you. so cool. Well, Michael, it's been amazing talking to you today. You've shared oh, so many you. great insights. If people do want to get in touch, just remind us how we contact you. Best thing to do is, is to send me an inquiry through the website, theblackboardartist.com. And then if you want to have a look at my Instagram, that is just, again, at the Blackboard Artist. Awesome. So yeah, easy you. and simple. Yeah. yeah, really simple. That's that's our main takeaway. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. Less is more. That's my, that's my big thing. Less is more. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. You've been really, really great. That's all right. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's really nice to share the story. And yeah, it's a real privilege to do something like this. So yeah, thanks so again for having me on. Yeah, not a problem at all. If you want to listen to more episodes of Failing to Succeed, check us out on Spotify or iTunes or go to failingtosucceed.co.uk.